He ate bugs. Coming to you from Riverside, California, in podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb, and this is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, the daily podcast where we read the entire Bible in a year. Today our reading is Matthew 3 and 4, after which I'll have some comments. And then there's the On This Day in Church History segment, and we don't have any prayer requests today, but given that today is 9-11, I think we should pray for our nation. We'll do that at the end of the show. Let's get started. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came into the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. For he is the one about whom Isaiah the prophet had spoken, the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing made from camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist and his diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. Then people from Jerusalem, as well as all Judea and all the region around the Jordan, were going out to him, and he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit that proves your repentance, and don't think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one coming after me is more powerful than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clean out his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the storehouse. But the chaff he will burn up with inextinguishable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? So Jesus replied to him, Let it happen now, for it is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John yielded to him. After Jesus was baptized, just as he was coming up out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my one dear Son. In him I take great delight. Matthew chapter 4 Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he fasted forty days and forty nights, he was famished. The tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and with their hands they will lift you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Once again, it is written, You are not to put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur. And he said to him, 
I will give you all these things if you throw yourself to the ground and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You are to worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and angels came and began ministering to his needs. Now when Jesus heard that John had been imprisoned, he went into Galilee. While in Galilee, he moved from Nazareth to make his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light, and on those who sit in the region and shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach this message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I will turn you into fishers of people. They left their nets immediately and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. Then he called them. They immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of disease and sickness among the people. So a report about him spread throughout Syria. People brought to him all who suffered with various illnesses and afflictions, those who had seizures, paralytics, and those possessed by demons, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan River. Well, for Matthew chapter 3, let's talk for a moment or two about John the Baptist. After that, I'll have some comments on chapter 4. John the Baptist's appearance here in Matthew chapter 3 is significant because God has not had a prophet on the earth since Malachi, who lived roughly around 400 B.C. So we're looking at about 400 years between the time of Malachi and the appearance of John the Baptist. God had been silent. He had left Israel to their own devices, and they had grown proud of themselves and their supposed observance of the law, and they had become insensitive to sin. Then all of a sudden, out of the wilderness comes this crazy-looking guy dressed in a robe of camel's hair with a leather belt. Now, this outfit, besides being unusual, would have signaled to the people that this was a prophet because they were known to wear rough materials, not fine fabrics and fancy clothes. His diet was as unusual as his dress. He ate bugs and wild honey. He ate locusts, to be specific, and wild honey. And this also showed that he was not interested in earthly niceties, but he only ate to maintain life. <laughs> I think I would have chosen something else. But after a silence of 400 years, God sent John the Baptist to wake up the people. They had truly fallen spiritually asleep. And John came as a voice crying in the wilderness. What happens when a baby cries? Well, it commands everybody's attention, doesn't it? Well, John's mission was to get the people's attention. What was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent? Repent from what? John was telling them to wake up and change their way of thinking, change their way of life. To repent is to have a change of mind and heart. 
And once that happens, behavior changes. The people thought they were just fine. Remember, they'd grown complacent during God's silence, but they were far from him. John was telling them that they were not fine. They needed to change and get ready for the soon coming of the kingdom of heaven and prepare for the Messiah. And many people heard John's message, and they believed him, and they were baptized. But the religious establishment, those who relied most on their outward observance of the law to feel self-righteous and smug, came to see John. But they didn't believe his message was for them, and he told them of the coming wrath. Of course, we know that many of them never did allow themselves to believe. And just as there were smug, self-righteous non-believers in John the Baptist's time, there are smug, self-righteous non-believers today who don't believe that Jesus is coming. Our job, family, is to be a voice to them. Not many believed then, and not many will believe now. But we're not responsible for the numbers. That's in God's hand. We just have to do that which we are called to do, which is be his voice. And now for chapter 4. After Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in chapter 3, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And after 40 days and nights of fasting, the enemy, the devil, Satan, came to tempt Jesus with three different offers. Do you remember how Jesus responded to him? Right. Jesus said to him, It is written, and then he quoted scriptures to him. The enemy tempted him three times, and Jesus responded four times with, It is written. Jesus gives us the way we need to respond when we're tempted, not by force of will, but by applying scripture. You see, we're in a spiritual battle. Paul tells us this in Ephesians 6, 11-17, and he tells us how we can be properly prepared when the enemy attacks. Paul writes, Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The items listed there by Paul are belt, body armor, shoes, shield, helmet, and sword. Notice that the first five items are more or less defensive. Belt, body armor, shoes, shield, and helmet. They are protective in nature. But the last item is offensive. The sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Jesus used this to defeat the enemy's attacks of temptation. So many believers handicap themselves by not being properly equipped. The way to win a battle is by having the right armament, both defensive and offensive. 
How does a soldier who hopes to be effective with their armament ensure that they'll be successful when they need it? Well, first they have to have it with them, don't they? It's no good at all if it's back at the armory. But then, once they have it with them, they have to know how to use it, don't they? How do they learn how to use it? They practice. And of course, no one wins a battle without knowing how to use their offensive weapon very, very well. So how are we going to use our sword, the Word of God, if we don't prepare, if we don't have a very good familiarity with it? Most believers have a sword, but it's resting on the shelf. They rarely take it out of its sheath. They don't train with it. They don't know how to handle it. I commend you, beloved, for being here, making a commitment to listen to the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible. This is just one way that you can become more adept at handling God's Word more familiar with it. But listen very carefully. This is only part of your training. Listening is great, but it does not replace reading, studying, digging into it on your own. My prayer is that this podcast will give you a thirst for more. I want you to come away from each day's show with a desire to dig deeper. I publish a newsletter each week so that you'll have the week's reading schedule ahead of time, so that maybe you'll read ahead and maybe study a bit. Maybe see if the points that impress you are the points I'll talk about. If you're not subscribed, go to news.lifespringmedia.com and take care of that right now. My prayer is that when temptation comes to you, you'll be very well prepared. Beloved, if Jesus used the Word of God to stand against temptation— How much more do we need to? What do you think? I invite your comments, and I've made it easy for you to do that. Go to comment.lifespringmedia.com, and I'll share some comments right here on the show. Comment.lifespringmedia.com, or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. Boost! (laughs) Boost! 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 John sent a boostagram this morning. Remember yesterday I was sort of griping. Well, no, I was not sort of griping. I griped about how uh, part of our reading was translated in the Good News translation. And John's Boostergram says, I think you'd really like the new Legacy Standard Bible translation if you want clarity and accuracy regarding the original text. Well, I've never heard of the Legacy Standard Bible translation. So I did some investigating this morning, and it looks really good. They don't have the entire Bible uh, completed yet, but the New Testament is out, and I think maybe Psalms and Proverbs as well. But, uh, man, it looks like a great translation. So, John, thank you for the recommendation. And he sent, a, he sent his Boostergram in using the Fountain app. And then just a little while ago, I got a boost from Wayne. He said, always glad to boost, Steve. God bless. And he used the Fountain app to do that, too. So, yes, I found a way to uh, identify who's sending it and even uh, what app they're sending it with. And speaking of Fountain, I got an email from Sean a couple of days ago. He talked about some of the frustration he had in trying to set up the whole streaming sats and boosting thing. It's true. This is all cutting-edge technology. Well, no, it's not even quite that. It's really sort of bleeding-edge stuff. So if you like playing with tech, if you like being ahead of the curve, this can be fun. But if you like to wait until all the kinks are worked out, maybe not so much fun. Also, Sean mentioned that he was surprised to find out that there are fees attached to some of this stuff. Yeah, there are fees, but they're usually very small. Uh, But they are there. Uh, But of course, there are fees with most financial transactions, right? I mean, 
I pay PayPal fees when I sell a book on my website or when you donate at support.lifespringmedia.com. Ding, ding, ding. And uh, most people pay their bank a monthly fee just for the privilege of having an account. You get the idea. But yeah, there are fees, but they're usually small. Oh, and uh, one more thing. The Fountain app is going through some development pain right now. There are a few bugs in the player, which I've talked to the developer about. We're emailing back and forth. Uh, He assures me that they're working very hard on the player this very week, and they do expect an update very soon. So even though the player is a bit wonky, I still like it best for streaming sats and sending boosts and boostograms. So if you like what you're hearing, please help to keep it going. Support the show with time, talent, or treasure. I'm depending on you to decide which of those or how much value you feel is right. You can send value by way of these apps I've been talking about, or you can go to support.lifespringmedia.com and donate dollars. However you support the show, as members of the LifeSpring family, you are very much a part of producing this show. And when you support it, you're helping to spread the good news. Hey, how did you find the show? Did a friend tell you? Did you hear about the show on another podcast? Did you hear about it on social media? Let me know. Email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com and use the subject line, here's where I found you. This day in church history, September 11th, 1069. English prelate Aldred, or Ildred, who was the Archbishop of York, passed away. On Christmas Day, 1066, Aldred crowned William the Conqueror King of England, and he was also the first English bishop to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And on September 11, 1672, American Congregational clergyman Solomon Stoddard was ordained as pastor of the church at Northampton, Massachusetts, and he served there, now get this, this was in 1672, he served as their pastor for 57 years. Lifespans were not all that long back then. He was 85 when he passed away, by the way. Uh, Anyway, um, he was assisted in the pastorate after 1727 by his grandson, Jonathan Edwards, who was a noted theologian in his own right. And Stoddard was also the very first librarian at Harvard University. That's pretty interesting. Well, we don't have any prayer requests today, but it is 9-11, and so I thought it would be appropriate to pray for the country. So let's join our hearts as we pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much, and we thank you for this nation. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing that it has been uh, for the world. Yes, we've had problems. Uh, Yes, it isn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. It's not perfect now, and yet you have blessed this nation. I pray, God, that you have not Uh, removed your blessing from us, even though we do have so many problems, uh, not the least of which is abortion. But I pray, God, uh, right now that as we remember what happened on 9-11, that um, you would bless the families that uh, lost so many loved ones. Uh, And we pray, God, for your protection. We pray, God, for wisdom for those that are uh, leading our country. And I pray, God, that uh, you would just really intervene with some of the decisions that are being made right now. We need your presence, God. We need your guidance. We need your forgiveness. And we need a spiritual revival. 
I pray, God, right now that uh, you would touch the hearts of people around the country and around the world. Uh, The entire world is in a world of hurt right now, and we need your help. Politicians aren't going to save us. Nobody's going to save us, Lord, but you. We know that, and we trust you. And we know, God, that you are on the throne and that you have everything under control and that nothing that happens surprises you. This is part of your plan. But it's our responsibility, Lord, to pray that your will would be done and that righteousness would prevail. I pray, God, for the courts. I pray for the people in government. I pray for the people. I pray for the people that are hurting. We pray for healing. We pray for guidance. We pray for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we read Matthew 3 and 4. Tomorrow we're going to read Romans 3 and 4. Have I told you that Romans is one of my favorite books? You're actually going to hear that several times this year. (laughs) I have several favorite books of the Bible, as you might guess. I am looking forward to getting back into Romans tomorrow. Be sure you're subscribed. If you're not, go to subscribe.lifespringmedia.com. There are links there to help you do that. And tell a friend about the show. One way we can make the world a better place is to get God's Word into more hands and more years, right? That's what this show is all about. You know that music? If you do, it's because you've watched The Chosen. Have you seen The Chosen? It's based on the Gospels and it's on several of the streaming networks. It is, without a doubt, the most well-produced, well-acted, well-written Christian productions I have ever seen. And I almost hate to call it a Christian movie or TV show because there have been so many that were, let's say, not excellent. Well, The Chosen is excellent. The casting is, I believe, perfect. It's the most highly crowdfunded production ever. And now they're doing a, almost a value-for-value value type thing to continue making more episodes. So far, they have two seasons that have been released. If you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor and watch it. I've got uh, a Roku, and there's an app to watch it there. Uh, it might be on Netflix. I don't know, because I don't have a Netflix account anymore. But it is on Apple TV. And if you don't have any of those, you can watch it for free on their website. I'll have a link in the show notes. Well, that's going to do it for today. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thanks for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Bye. Bye.